boys and girls, children of all ages. It's your boy, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time. You know it from the top of my house, right below the roof in the, no, I'm not. I'm not in the attic. 19 shows. This is the 19th show and the attic is winning 18 to one. I am not in the attic. It's incredible. The theme song is going to have to change. I don't know what we're going to do, but I am not in the attic. It's the nonprofit sector connector. Tommy D coming at you from an undisclosed location in the Pacific time zone. I am traveling. The show is on the road. I remember that old saying, let's take this show on the road. Well, I did it, man. I took the show on the road. Here's the thing. You know how passionate I am about this sector. Nonprofits change our world each and every second of every minute of every hour of every day of every month of every year. This sector is incredibly important to me. It's incredibly important because the impact that's made by the people in this sector is unmatched. And without these people, I don't know who would make that impact. I don't know who would provide the services. I believe, and you've heard me say it before, that the nonprofit sector is often unrecognized often overlooked, and unfortunately, as a lot of us in the sector know, underfunded. And these are problems that I want to shine light on, not from a negative perspective, but from an area of opportunity. How can we grow and how can we get better as a sector and how can we get better as a society by providing the resources individuals in this sector need? So you know, every single week when we do the show, I will be bringing you a leader of another nonprofit organization to what? That's right amplify their message. I don't run a nonprofit. I don't work for a nonprofit, but I like to amplify the message of those who do and those organizations that are making that ultimate impact. Today is no different than any other episode. I have a leader, CEO, chief executive officer of the corporate source who's becoming a friend of mine. I hope he feels the same way that he wants to be my friend as well. But Michael Kramer is the CEO. I'm going to read it just a quick background. Michael, you come off mute, you jump in the conversation. I'm going to say what I like to say to everybody when they join me. Well, not in the attic, but usually when they join me in the attic, I'll say that to you as well. But here's what I want to read. Michael has his bachelor's of science from Union College, his master's degree in psychology from the New School for Social Research, and also he's been running the organization now for uh, since 1996, which actually I mentioned on a video I did earlier this week, 1996 is the year I graduated high school uh, back on Long Island. So Thank you very much for that. <laughs> Listen, I got to put things in perspective, man. You know, look, age is a number. It doesn't really mean much. You know what I tell you this, you know, my kids, they call me an old man. And I go, you can't call me an old man. I'm Tommy D. Like, do you actually know who I am? I'm Tommy D. And that, that doesn't mean so much to you know, the, the kids in my house, although they do refer to me as Tommy D sometimes, Michael. Michael, I like to say this to all my guests on the program. We like to start right here. I used to say this to people when I didn't even have a program because I kind of call my life the Tommy D show, but welcome to the show. I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Tommy. And let me just tell you that although you can't be in an attic today, I am taking up the lead and I am in an attic. See, so your theme will carry through. That's and commitment. That's commitment. That's what we're talking about here. I was feeling like the attic wasn't going to show up today. And guess what? You brought it to you brought the attic. Thank you for bringing the attic it's all around me. <laughs> I love that white wall you have with the corporate source logo right there in your attic. It's very cool. You know, Thank you. I had an early call this morning and, and some of my friends know I'm doing the show and they said, dude, you're not in the attic. Like, what are you going to do? Maybe you should go to the hotel you're at, go to the attic. I said, I might do the show from the roof like the Beatles did, like, you know, like that final show <laughs> the Beatles did, but my ego's getting away from me a little bit. Look, Michael, tell me this story, please. I, I, I've known of the corporate source for a number of years now. Your director of development is a, is a dear friend of mine, Linda Berman, and we met through networking because that's what I do. It's all about networking and connecting, especially when you give yourself a name like the nonprofit sector connector which I dig and I, I, I take that wholeheartedly. It's not just something that rhymes, but I, that's how I meet most people. It's through networking, it's through relationships. The IDD community, as you may know, and a lot of my listeners know, intellectual developmental disabilities for those who don't, aren't familiar with that term. But there's two places that my passion lies. It's in serving organizations who serve the IDD community and in the, in the mental health space. And in the last 48 hours, and Michael and I were talking a bit in the green room about some of the, what I would consider the... Uh, I don't know, improprieties of society that there's so many who have and so 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 uh, many who have nothing. And and I'm not going to get onto one of my soapbox issues right now, but it's it's IDD and it's mental health, really. 
I, I feel that it's, I'm being drawn to do a lot in the mental health space and more to come on that, more to come on this program and some initiatives that I'm going to bring out. Uh, but today with Michael here, IDD is it, um, working with those with all different abilities. And I talk about a lot. I say, you know what, man, well, I'm not going to say any bad words, but I get cranky about some things here. I, I grew up as like, you know, in, as a sales guy in, in, a, in a major corporation. And they often would say, well, you should do this and this and this, and you should work all these different angles. And I said, yeah, but I don't really like that. I'm not good at that. But they said, that's okay. Work on that. I think, and that's 16, 17 years ago. I think what we've grown as a society is let's stop trying to make people do things they're not good at. And let's accentuate the hell out of what they really are good at. And that takes me to this conversation. And how do we focus on what people's abilities are and what they can do and stop focusing or thinking about what they can't do? Michael, talk to me about that, please. Talk to me about the corporate source. Tell me how you got to the nonprofit sector. Tell me how you got to the corporate source, please. Well, you know what? There, there, there are a lot of questions in there and a lot of time. I'll, let me just, I, I came to the not-for-profit sector many, many years ago and trained as a psychologist. I was working on an inpatient unit in a psych hospital. And one of the things that I saw were that when people had control of the ward that they were in, the behavioral incidents diminished. And it was the 70s, and New York was deinstitutionalizing. And I decided that I wanted to take that philosophy and see if it really worked and brought it into the community and got a job. Part of the role that I had was going into institutions and interviewing people and moving them into group homes and moving them into the community. And there were people who could make it and people who couldn't. But the same thing that happened occurred there. People wanting to be in the community, their behavioral incidents, you know, diminished. And it was a wonderful experience. And, you know, from that experience, I really saw that the community at large was an equalizer for people. Um, and you, you talk about work and you talk about, but I think the one thing that really work provides um, for individuals is opportunity. When you say, you know, earlier that how do people know what they can do? They don't know if they don't have the opportunity. Most people with IDD have been told all their life, at least historically, that they can't compete. Okay, they're in segregated environments. They're in resource rooms at schools. He said, you know, with integration and inclusion, that's diminished. But how many people, how many people truly are on an equal playing field? You ask how the corporate source came about, and that's really how it came about. We were placing people in direct placement with companies, and we saw that they didn't hold on to their jobs. In four to six months, you know, people would lose their jobs. And that's not what we were about. That's not what employment was. That, those weren't the goals and aspirations. So at the corporate source, we're an outsourcing organization that utilizes a workforce of individuals with and without disabilities. In some of our larger contracts, we have an integrated workforce team. But what's unique about it is that those individuals feel that they have a peer group. Mm. It's not like when you work and you place somebody in a company. Does that person get to have lunch with their coworkers? Are they invited to office functions? Do they feel comfortable enough to participate? You know, we think of work and we think of work as um, providing economic independence. But, you know, Tommy, we get so much more from work. There are friendships. There is self-esteem. There are these non-tangible things that occur to each of us every day um, that really people benefit from work. And that's what we want to have happen. I, I want to just jump in here because I, I pulled something off the Internet this morning, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in preparation for this conversation. And there's 10 things listed here that are benefits of somebody having a job. And I started to, you know, being with your psychology background, I started to say, should we go into like Maslow and, and hierarchy of needs? And, and I, you know what, just because I didn't do all the work for it, I don't want to spend too much time on there, but there is here's just from a perspective of um, 10 things that are major benefits of somebody having a job. The first one says regular paycheck, but here, listen to these, everybody. And, and Michael knows this already. So, a sense of identity, an intellectual challenge, right? It, it, to your point, saying that people don't have an ability, not that you said that, but that was the, the, 
the mentality that these people don't have an ability, so we don't focus on it. But an intellectual challenge, right? We can all learn and get better at something, learn new skills. To your point, new people have access to community. Community, I've written it down three times just since what you've said so far. Understand the world better. So if you have a, a, some sort of challenge or, or, or call it disability for lack of a better term right now, but and you haven't had access to learn about different things, how the heck can you get any better? So that's the stuff that I get cranky about. Work-life balance. And here's the big one. Another one says health benefits, but sense of meaning and purpose. Gosh, man, isn't that the whole thing? Like, isn't that what we're trying to do here? Because like, I, so I'm, I, you may not know this about me, but I'm connected to Best Buddies of New York City. I sit on the state board of Best Buddies of New York City. Shout out to Eileen and, and Deb and obviously Sophie, the state leader, and my, my old buddy, Josh Kay, who used to be the, uh, the state director. I, I sit on that group and, and, and I, a couple of years ago, we I, I also sit on the board of the Bayside Business Association out in Queens. And we had one of the folks from the jobs program from Best Buddies come out and talk about the impact that this had made on his life. And I will tell you, in a room full of 35 adults, 35 adults were crying because it was incredibly touching because it changed this young man's world. Having the, the, um, the place to go, the people to meet, to your point, having the ability to sit down and have lunch with somebody, build relationships. You know, um, we have a family foundation, which you, I think you're aware of my cousin Linda who passed away, the Lindy Lou Foundation. And I remember going to visit Linda like at New High Park High School. And you said resource room. I remember it was like a, a separate room, separate and apart. And I'm not talking about the 70s. I'm talking about like, I don't know. I graduated high school in 96, as we talked about. So I don't know. We're talking about the, the I guess the mid nineties or something like that, you know, and that was a separate and apart, the special education room and all that stuff. Where's the community in that, man? So from the perspective of jobs, of course, but I think it even starts at, at a lower level, uh, at, you know, at a younger age and, and building community and, and it's important. And inclusion is, I, I, I'm not a philosopher, Michael, but I, I strive for the day when like we sort of scoff at somebody who, who makes fun of somebody with special needs. Like we don't actually do that anymore. Like that's not like a thing. You're like, you know, like me, we don't, that's not a thing that actually people do anymore. Like, and it, but unfortunately, um, or rather fortunately, there is this wave of inclusion that is going across this country for sure. And I think from what I just spoke to you and read about the jobs is incredibly, it's critical because of what it gives you self-worth wise and what it means to have the place and the people and all that type of stuff. So I, I felt like I've spoken more than I usually do at this point in the show. Michael, before we uh, take a quick break, what I want to do is I really want to come back and talk about the programs that the organization is providing, what it actually looks like day in and day out. Well, and and um, some stories, just some anecdotal stories. Do you have anything real quick you want to mention before we take a quick shot? You know what? Um, I think one key aspect of the corporate source, which is really important, is we started initially with the IDD community. And when we get a scope of work, we source out folks with disabilities to fulfill those roles. So we have people who are on the spectrum. We have people who have a, an IDD diagnosis. We have people with behavioral health issues. We have people with cerebral palsy. It doesn't matter what kind of disability an individual has, as long as they can fulfill the scope of work. And we train them and we do creative things. We do job sharing, where if people don't have the work tolerance for eight hours a day, we'll mm -hmm. split a job. The goal of the organization to get many people to work as they can, to feel productive, okay? And, and that, that's what we do as employment technicians. I just, I love that word you just said. I love job sharing, employment technicians. And, you know, it, it's, it's scope of work. I mean, this isn't like, hey, let's figure out, let's find some role for somebody to do a thing. So this they is charity. This, this is, is a, real. No, this is a freaking business yeah. that operates as a nonprofit. This is... We'll be back, everybody, in two minutes. Michael, I have a million more questions, and we're never going to finish all of them, so you have to come back on the show. Kind of one of my rules is when we run out of time, we just come back another day. It is your friend, your boy, your buddy, your pal, the nonprofit sector connector. I would tell you I'm coming from the attic, but I'm not. But Michael Kramer's in an attic, so we're all good. We'll be back in two minutes, everybody. Nonprofit sector connector, philanthropy and focus. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Inning. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. We might have to adjust some of the lyrics just for today's show. So join Tommy in his hotel room. We might have to add that to the uh, to the song. Uncle Brendan, I'll, I'll text you later on. We'll write some new lyrics. It is your boy, Tommy D, nonprofit sector connector, philanthropy and focus. You know what I'm talking about today, amplifying the message of nonprofits. And today, like every single week, I have a great leader of a nonprofit organization that is telling us about the incredible work that his organization is doing. So here's what I want to read to you. The corporate source is based in Garden City, that's Long Island, for those of you who might not be familiar with it, and creates employment opportunities for individuals with disabilities and provides services leading to independence and fulfillment throughout New York City, Long Island, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Michael just talked to me about when they get a scope of work, they source the employees from multiple different ability streams. They can do job sharing when, when people have uh, limitations on how much how many hours they're able to put in. And these they really act as employment technicians. Now, TCS, the corporate source, is celebrating its 25th year and is, employed, and is currently employing a workforce of nearly 400 people in those areas. What I want to tell you about Michael is I didn't get a lot when, when uh, asked because he's humble, like most leaders of nonprofit organizations. So I had to kind of scour the internet and find some things. So here's what I want to tell you. Michael Kramer, CEO, was named 2018 Diversity in Business Award recipient from the Long Island Business News. And it also named, the LIBN also named TCS as a 2019 top nonprofit for the public-private partnerships award uh, right around corporate social responsibility. So when, when we, right before we went to break, Michael and I were kind of getting into the nuts and bolts of, of they get a job request, they get an opportunity. They get, Michael, before we talk about that, you, you work public-private partnerships. Talk to me about that because I know you do work for the government, you do work for the, for the private sector. Let's discuss that and then let's, if we could walk through when you get a scope of work, what the programs actually look like. Well, you know, uh, we have a large portfolio of government contracts, both uh, in the New York metropolitan area of Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. And uh, the government always views the work that they have as 
economic incubators. So they look for programs to uh, hire individuals with disabilities. And New York State also has a state use program that has the same goal in mind. I said the difficulty is the private sector doesn't have those kinds of motivation and inclination. So there's a lot of work that's done by folks with disabilities. And I think it's disproportional across the country. I think that more individuals with disabilities work in state use contracts and for the government than in the private sector. Companies want to view themselves as having a social impact. Um, but when you look at the numbers, I don't think it really bears that out. I said when, um, when uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed, okay, the whole, it was anti-discrimination legislation to move people in into the workforce. So they couldn't be discriminated against if they had a disability. The difference between when it was passed and now is one percentage point. It hasn't been a significant driver. There's still reluctance. There's still why, reticence. Why is that? Why, from your research, from your knowledge, to share with us, because I do have people in corporate positions that are listening, and, and more so than ever, especially as we sit here in 2021 after last year, and, 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 and just the viewpoint and perspective on things in life is, I believe that corporations, I'm not sure if everybody's doing it for the right reasons, but I think for the optics, corporations are trying to show that they're socially inclined and they're aware of things. So let's just assume everybody wants to do the right thing. What do you think the holdup is and how can we as people in the know, so to speak, you much more than me, how can we educate them on how they can do this? Look, um, you know, I really hate to be a naysayer. I've dedicated my life to trying to change other people's lives and provide opportunity. But I think that human nature is the driver here. I think that, you know, people inherently want to do what's right. But I think when it comes to business, you know, they're always concerned about the bottom line. You know, when we started the corporate source, the name, the corporate source, doesn't sound like a not-for-profit. Doesn't, And the reason is, is that employers had a fear back then of being litigated. Mm. So it's, it's much easier for them to hire an organization where we can put people with disabilities to work. There, the employees are uh, on the corporate source's payroll. We're the employer of record. Right. So companies are basically har held harmless in this. Okay, but, so we came up with all these different strategies. Okay, but, you know, you and I talked earlier um, about the last 15 months for the, the essential workforce. So our staff were completely working throughout this period. Okay, at 9-11, okay, when um, the towers went down and a week later you'd get on the Long Island Railroad and you go into the city, a construction worker would come in, people would stand and applaud. okay. Look, look what it took for those people to get recognition. In the last 15 months, essential workers were applauded. Grocery baggers, janitors. Look what it took, a pandemic, to have the role and contributions of those individuals acknowledged. Okay, what's going to happen in the future when we, we travel the railroad? Are construction workers still applauded? Are they still held with the same esteem and value that they were then? What's going to happen with individuals with disabilities going forward? Will our human nature take over and people will just kind of find a kind of a homeostasis and we go back to what we believed in? That's what has to change. Values have to change and opportunity. Your title of this show is Philanthropy in Focus. When people think of philanthropy, what do they think of? I think, unfortunately, I had to do the research before I named the show because I liked the name. And then I was like, I think that, that what's thought of a philanthropy is people who write big checks. But that's correct. right. So correct, correct me and what I used to think about that. Well, that's exactly what people think. OK, and that's and that's people's comfort level, you know, and, you know, every not for profit would like people to contribute because all not for profits are underfunded. But it's a different initiative. For you to say in your business, I'm going to hire one person. I'm going to open a door for an opportunity. I'm going to give my employees time to volunteer. Okay. As a group effort in a company, we're going to join a walk team just to show our corporate support. You know, people kind of vote with their feet. All right. 
It's a where you put your emphasis, where you put your energy. And I think that's the societal shift that we need to make. I have a question for you, Tommy. I don't it's really more rhetorical. But when people go in front of a judge and there's a misdemeanor, why does a judge sentence people to community service? Why is that a sentence? Why isn't it something that we aspire to? Why is this, so why is there a negative connotation to doing community service? Like, that's right. oh, man, I got nab. I got to do community service. Like that, like kind of like, oh, that sucks. But, but in reality, you know, I love that. Thank you for challenging us with that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole societal structure. It's how we view things. And, and, and that's what has to change. I mean, I think that that's where opportunity can, uh, can open doors for people. You know, I just pulled up the, the definition of, of philanthropy and I'm going to read it in a second. But, you know, when I, I call myself a philanthropist, right? And I, I sort of thought when I started saying that, like I do it, I put on my LinkedIn and whatnot. And I thought like, wow, who do I think I am? Thurston Howell third, you know, like the ascot and come here. Like I, I, and then I was like, no, no, let me, so let me read this. Cause since Michael brings it up, it's philanthropy. It's a noun. It says the desire to promote the welfare of others the desire to promote the welfare of others. Then it goes on expressed, especially by the generous, generous donation of money to good causes. Yeah, generous donation, but it's not just about those people. It's about being at the walk, you know, thank you to my parents. Um, I don't know, we, I don't think we've done anything for the corporate source and we should with regards to what I'm about to say. But my parents own a, uh, let's put it out there, they own Ralph's Italian Ices on Long Island. And I have been known to show up at events for nonprofit organizations and scoop Italian ices. And, you know, I, my parents make these donations and it's a special thing and I, I love doing it. And that's a bit of philanthropy, right? That's time investment. That's investment of product. Um, so, you know, last week, a couple of weeks ago was the uh, Best Buddies Walk. You know, they did their all, their, all of their walks across the country, maybe internationally um, on the same day, a couple of weeks back. And I brought some ices out there. I just, and that's not, I'm not telling everybody that because it's about me. I'm telling you that because it's simple stuff. It's like, go to the walk, support the people, build a team, like you say, Michael, and it's grassroots stuff. And I think going back to the corporate side, the business world, I've been in organizations where they'll do the corporate match. You know, they'll say, okay, if you, you, uh, you'll correct me with the term, but if Tommy D writes a check to the corporate source for a thousand dollars, when I worked at ADP, they would match that thousand dollars, Right. But um, employer match, I guess, is really what they call it. But mm -hmm. the, yeah, but the, the thing about it is you go back to the camaraderie and, you know, build a walk team, right? It doesn't have to be a walk. There's all these different things going on. I mean, right now, uh, shout out to our friends who will be on the program next week, uh, Eileen and Amy from the Book Fairs. They got a readathon going on right now, right? That's germane to their business. It's germane to their, their mission, right? It makes on point, it's on brand. So there are ways to get involved. There's so much to give an impact. And we're going to learn as we go through this program today, ways that you all who are listening, who are not Tommy or Michael, you all can get involved with, with giving back to the corporate source. And we'll do that. We're going to be back in two minutes. It is Michael Kramer in the attic. Tommy D. <laughs> Philanthropy and focus. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay tuned. Thank you. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift. Educate empower hey everybody it's tommy d the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic each week here on talkradio.nyc i host the program philanthropy and focus nonprofits impact us each and every day and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc.
Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Me in the attic every day except today because I'm actually not there today. But Michael Kramer is in his attic, and I appreciate you doing that just to keep everything, keep the homeostasis right with the program. So thank you for being in the attic. Here's what I want. I want to read something that I pulled off the internet because I got a lot of ideas in my head, like most times. But when you started, we started talking about the 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 uh corporations maybe slow to react or not reacting as as we'd like them to. I want to read some things I found researching. This is one of your quotes, Michael. I believe TCS, the corporate source, I believe TCS plays an integral role in altering biases and perceptions of people with disabilities. All right. A friend of mine, Bev Weinberg, came on the show a couple of weeks ago. Um, Integrate for Good is her organization that she founded outside of the Philly area. Um, and part of what she does is go into corporations and school systems and educate them on inclusion and how to do it. So I wanted to ask you um, one more thing. I want to, one more quote I want to say from here. Through employment, TCS provides opportunities for individuals to demonstrate what they can do and what they can achieve. Folks, listen up. It isn't about what you can't do anymore. Stop. Like I'm done with this now. <laughs> now I get cranky. It's about let's let's accentuate what people can do. So how do we do that, Michael? How do we educate employers on, you know, I, I you, it, the way you explained it with, with the governmental side is there's a carve out for this type of work. So when there's a new, I think the word used was incubator. When there's a new incubator program, the government sees an opportunity to let's let's uh, use this to uh, to focus on this community, to focus on ID, behavioral health, whatever it may be. How do we get out and educate people? Even if we just do it, your organization serves the Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, but let's stay local, New York City and Long Island. How how can my listeners make an impact? How can you get out and educate? And how can I maybe prevent provide, because this is what I'm trying to do here. How do I provide some forum where organizations like yours can, we can just put a bunch of employers in a, uh, it'll be a virtual room these days, but how do we get them all together and get you to tell the story? Or you're maybe you're doing that already and I just don't know. You know, Tommy, um, first of all, don't, don't, do not sell yourself short. You are doing it. I mean, having me here, having other not-for-profits aired on your show really is giving voice to what we're all talking about. And uh, I think that people, it's not providing um, the opportunity. It's trying to get people to listen. All right. And you said earlier, it's not about what people can't do. It's about what people can do. The reason that the corporate source is changing values and attitudes is because our workforce are working alongside. Okay. They're not in a segregated environment. People are seeing them every day. Okay. And the pride that they take in their work, it's, it, it, it's just, it, it's just so ever present that people can't deny it. Okay. We have people who've been working for over 25 years who, because they're have such um, tenure in their jobs, they've been able to purchase primary residences, get married, 
have families of their own. We have staff who've saved and traveled to London. We have people who have, you know, volunteered and giving back. Instead of being recipients, they're giving back through their own actions. And people who are spokespeople, you know, they go and they meet with legislators. They go and they meet, to your point, with business leaders, and they talk about the impact. But it's one thing to get people to do it. It's the other thing, the challenge, is to get people to listen. All right. And when they listen and when they see, hopefully their perceptions of what folks with disabilities can do will be altered. You know, we we talk about diversity. And, you know, when you're looking at New York City and you're looking at uh, diversity uh, quotas and standards, if you will, do you know that uh, it's only um, minority and women owned businesses, you know, where companies and city offices get credit for? Uh, you know, if trying to place somebody with a disability in an environment, they they want to do it. But in terms of their stats, they're not evaluated on this metric of disability. Explain that for me a little further, because I, I think I get most of it. But please, because I'm familiar with MWBE in the sense sure. that you know, at least on the on a state level, there's a big carve out. Let me just speak specifics to the airport. What's going on at the two airports, all this construction. Tom Gretsch, my buddy, CEO of the Queens Chamber of Commerce, was on the show a couple of weeks back. Um, I know there's a big carve out for that NWBE space. If, am I hearing you right that you're saying if, if somebody who has a disability is an entrepreneur and owns a business, there's not the same opportunity for them? Is, is that what no. you're saying? It's, there's no, um, the, the carve out is only for uh, MWBE. Sure. You know, it's not for individuals with disabilities. Uh, a city office will get evaluated on their disability metrics, but that's the only metrics. Um, someone with a disability is not even on that metric scale. That's the issue, you know, and in, in speaking to people over the years, each group, if you will, um, has a spokesperson. Okay, they have they have their own voices. People with disabilities have not had the opportunity to utilize their own voices. Okay, they did for the passage of uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act. I said, but really after that, what has been the voice of the disability community? It has been squelched, and that's why we have to try to get people to speak up and for employers to listen. Like other levels of interest, it's, you know, although somebody has been impacted by the corporate source, they might not want to be the spokesperson. They might not want to just because for, for personal reasons, you know, not everybody has this, you know, look, talk about self-awareness. Uh, you know, I've, I've sort of think of like old movies, they, they're using their power for good instead of evil or something like that. And like my world is like, that's what I'm trying to do. This big mouth and this attitude and this personality, I'm trying to use it for good. And I think a little bit of self-awareness. I appreciate your, your compliment a few moments ago. I know what, I know this is making an impact. I don't know if it's making a big enough impact, the program I'm referring to. I don't know if it's making a big enough impact yet, but we only did this 19 times so far or, or 18 and a half so far, I guess. But the, you know, not everybody wants to lean in and be that spokesperson and be the one out front. However, I will, I'll, I'll throw a compliment and I'm not going to mention names, but I was, um, been involved with Best Buddies both in the city a bit in Long Island for, uh, for a while now. And they had a champions event a number of years ago. And I had a, um, a campaign manager because I was one of the people who was trying to be the champion of the event. And this young man is, is speaking on behalf of, of best buddies. He's in college. He runs a best buddies program in college. And uh, he's, he has uh, some disabilities and um, some people will lean in, but it's a personal thing. It's a, so what, this is all wrapping into eventually a question, which if you listen to me, gang, you know, they take long for me to actually put a question mark at the end of a bunch of words, but how do we, are there people who have elevated in your program at the corporate source that are now ambassadors or advocates on behalf of, of this community that, that are really out there that we can shine a light on those people like that? I can shine a light on those people. You know, I think that that's a that's a that would be a good show for you to do and to have folks from the corporate source and others. Most organizations have people who serve in that ambassador role, mm -hmm. who is a spokesperson. You know, our folks have gone to uh, 
have gone to Washington and met with congressional uh, folks and, and senatorial staffs and talked about the importance of work, the importance of you know what's happening in the community and the impact that it's making. Um, and I think most organizations do. And, and we have sponsored those kinds of activities. Um, again, when you hear that kind of, it's, it's going to government. It's not going to the private sector. Right. Right. It's the private sector that needs that kind of uh, awareness. I, look, I'm not a legislator, obviously, gang. You probably knew that about me. But I, I'm wondering, though, if, if, yes, I think that we certainly need to. And I would, I, we'll talk about this, you and I offline. We'll have a, a real cup of coffee or a virtual cup of coffee or something. Because I think there's, every time I do one of these shows, I'm like, oh, wow, there's a great idea. Let's do that. So, like, I would love to talk to you about that later on. But what, what I'm saying is, is there... Um, if you got the government folks involved and there was more incentives, and I'm not writing laws here, guys, but if there was more incentives for businesses to, to be involved with organizations like the corporate service, you don't have to answer that. It's more me just putting it out in the universe. And if people want to talk about it, reach out to me. And let's kind of shoot the breeze on that and see, see what it is. Because that's, that's how my mind starts going. Like It's like marinating and ideas are happening. And it's how do we make that impact? But I would, I'll tell you this, John DiBiase, Love John DiBiase. He's a friend of mine, former, former executive director of, of uh, Anabic out in Bayside, Queens. I don't know if you know John, but he's a big advocate on behalf of the IDD space and talks a lot about um, you know, going up to Albany and, and things like that and, and advocating. But with the Bayside Business Association, we've had this idea, and, and you and I definitely need to talk about this, Michael. We've had this idea of putting together, I don't want to take credit for the whole idea, although I, I might have come from my inside of my head, but it's putting together, um, and I've talked to the chamber about this, Queen's Chamber too, sort of a forum where you have the business owners in the community interacting with organizations like the corporate source. I don't know what we call it. Is it a jobs fair? I don't love that name, but is it something like that? Or is it as simple as the corporate source is going to speak, Eileen from, from Best Buddies is going to speak, and maybe a handful of others. And I just say, out to my world and my network, let's just all get together and have this, they call it a, uh, not a conference. I don't know, Michael, it's just a brainstorming session. Initially it's let's bring some business leaders and let's bring some nonprofit leaders and put them together. What is, how does that land on you, Michael? You know, it, it's fine. And, you know, it, it's not a novel, you know, concept. I mean, right. we've had business meetings before um, and, you know, and, and, and companies will, uh, will send a representative and they'll participate. Exactly. Right. I mean, that, that, that's the issue. You know, that, that's the real, uh, that's the real mover here. Um, companies have to understand that individuals with disabilities are part of a vital workforce and they can contribute. Now, what's, what's interesting, what's unique about the corporate source, this is our workforce. Right. Okay. Um, and we treat it like any other workforce. They have, uh, we provide health care for all of our employees. We have a retirement program. You know, the same thing that you would want in, with your employer is what we provide. It's not a charity. Right. That's the right. orientation of the organization. So that's where we have to get to. Yeah, we have to get to that for sure. But it's a nonprofit organization. But I would, can I, can we call what you do social enterprise? Is that more of what it is? Is that a better definition than? We fit under a social enterprise model, yes. Yeah. And we said, why, why did we incorporate as a not-for-profit? Because we wouldn't be able to access um, the government set-asides as a for-profit. Right. Okay, these are carved out for individuals with disabilities, and we wanted to access those opportunities for them. All right. So here's where we're to take another quick break, everybody. But here's, Michael, when we come back, there's something that it's, I can't get out of my head. I've always sort of been confused about this. And you just talked about benefits and, and uh, these are obviously your employees. You're the employer of record, as we discussed, and I have a background in a bit of HR and payroll sales. So I, I know some of what that's about. But what I want to say is, and we'll talk about this when we come back for our last segment. And then I want to, after we talk about that, it's what's the future of the corporate source and who do you want to meet and how can we help? But when an individual is getting um, benefits, government benefits, it's always been my curiosity, hold this answer, but it's always been my curiosity is what happens? Are they still able to get those government benefits and while they're an employee? So I know you probably have some something to say on that because I just don't understand and how it works. I always thought that it couldn't work and they did lose certain benefits. So 
When we come back, we'll answer. I'm going to ask Michael to answer that question. What's the future of the organization? Who are we looking to meet? And then I'll bring us to a close. It's Tommy D coming at you. Well, I was going to say from the attic, but that's a lie. But I usually am coming at you from the attic. Philanthropy and Focus, Michael Kramer, CEO of The Corporate Source, is with me. We'll be right back. Two minutes. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Every Friday morning. Join me because I am helping to amplify the message for nonprofit organizations. It's your buddy, the nonprofit sector connector, Tommy D. Here's the deal. We are in the lightning round. Michael Kramer, CEO of Corporate Sources here. This is a lightning round. This is always like my, my like, oh my God, I got I have so much I want to say. And there's so little time to say it. So I feel like the, uh, the, the rabbit, the white rabbit in uh, so many places go, so little to do or something like that. So much to do, so, so little time. Here's the deal. I'm not going to set you up, Michael, and ask this question too far in depth, but I was curious because there might be parents listening, or there might be individuals listening who'd want to work for the corporate source, but in the back of their mind, because it's always been in the back of my mind, I'm not, we don't have a lot of time for it. Let's just touch upon it. And people who have questions about this opportunity could reach back out to you. But how does this affect my my, my disability insurance? Or how does this affect my, my benefits that I get from the government if I become an employee? Quick just quick. Let me just tell you. Let me just tell you that uh, the corporate source has addressed this as a significant issue, and uh, that was one of the uh, biggest obstacles for families wanting their their kids and their siblings to become employed. Fear of losing their benefits. It was a, a disincentive to work. Um, the corporate source has trained and certified benefit advisors on staff to try to ensure that uh, people aren't hurt by work. Okay, the government has what they refer to as a, uh, a nine-month trial work period uh, to make sure that any kind of work that you'll you'll be doing is sustained, and you don't you won't lose your benefits for for that period of time. And then they've also made uh, provisions where you can maintain um, your health care benefits, and you can purchase that separately from the government if you need. Um, and, and your financial benefits, if you will, will be altered because of work. If you work and your salary is above a certain threshold, the government takes back a certain amount of money because you're, you're reaching that threshold through your own activity. It's very individualized, you know, but that in a, in a nutshell, it's a big issue but only trained professionals really can help you go through. And, and so I don't need all that information. I need exactly what you gave me right there. So you have these trained professionals on your we do. So, so that's we do. it. So if you have somebody in your family that would want to be gainfully employed and achieve all the benefits, the community that we talked about, yes, get a paycheck, but the community, 
They'll, they'll be involved with people. They'll have, they, you know, all of us are, are more empowered. Our self-worth goes up. And what happens when our self-worth goes up? We get happier. Come on, it's a no-brainer. So if that was holding you back from saying, I got to call Michael and his team, well, that shouldn't hold you back because they have people who can answer these questions. So let's, let's talk about that, Michael. If somebody wants to get involved with the corporate source, whether they want to be a philanthropist, as we played around with earlier today, or whether they want to be an employee, or whether they want to be a, a recipient of your services, meaning a, a, an employer. How do they go about that? What, what's the first move? Well, you know, uh, first of all, you can go to our, uh, our website, uh, you know, thecorporatesource.org. Um, there's uh, a list of uh, available jobs there. Uh, there's contact information. Uh, we have voc rehab area. We have people who will do assessment and, and interviewing people. Um, you know, we have we have a whole, and you talked about Linda, we have a whole philanthropic area if people who want to support us. Like any other organization in this day and age, you know, following people on Facebook, your Facebook page, there's a way to get support, to learn more about the organization, to get posts. Um, so we encourage people to follow us on Facebook. We have a newsletter called A Better Workplace. It's to employers. It talks about, uh, you know, disability issues. It talks about integration, inclusion, um, but, but workplace um, concepts, you know, there are so many aspects of someone's life that are important. This, this is our mission. This is our center. And this newsletter specifically talks about workplace-related issues. How often does that newsletter come out? comes out quarterly. Quarterly newsletter. And what's it called again? A Better Workplace. A Better Workplace. That's a quarterly newsletter. That's for you employers out there. That's correct. Yep. Do you want do you, employers? I'm talking to you guys now. Hello, come on in close. It's Tommy Day. Here's what I'm telling you. Do you want a more inclusive workplace? Is that what your employees are saying? You know, listen, 35, 40 years ago, there used to be terms that we don't use anymore for people with special needs. And, and we used to, uh, as I said, there was certain parts of the school building. There was, you know, different work programs. Now we're all integrated, man. We're inclusive. It's inclusive. This is the way it's supposed to be. It's the right way. And it's the way we have to do things. So your employees either know somebody who has a different ability, they might uh, have a child, they might be the child of somebody with a different ability. So guess what? This is important to everyone in your workforce. So that's something if you're an employer, a better workplace comes out quarterly, plug in for the newsletter, go to the corporatesource.org is the website, right, Michael? Yep, yep, correct. .org. Michael, I like to put people on the kind of on the spot real quick at the end of this, not, don't be nervous. Um, if I could make some connections for you, who are the, who are you looking to meet? Like, is it, are there certain companies like just let's pick Long Island. Are there certain companies where you say, look, we'd love to be in XYZ company. If you're comfortable putting stuff like that out there. If you're a, um, a privately held company, you have a facility of your own and you're looking to outsource any of your services, consider the corporate source. The unique aspect of what we do is that as a business person, you can make a difference. You can change people's lives without spending any additional money. The same services which you contract for, for landscaping, grounds, janitorial, switchboard operations, all of those services, if you come to an organization like the Corporate Source, you can get the same quality and better dedicated workforce. You see, the difference is as a not-for-profit, we don't have a profit. Any, any surplus that is ever realized goes back into training, in equipment. Because if our guys can't do the job, it's not the corporate source who failed. You're going to say, ah, oh, it's those people. They right. can't do it. They right. can't cut it. So it's our job to ensure that the best quality trained people can do the job and you, you'll walk away, please. That's so cool you just said there, though. Like you're, you as an organization or at the corporate source is incentivized to be better than the competition, just for the sheer fact of there's this whole thing we have to get past, unfortunately, right? So, so you, have to be, you have to elevate consistently and you put that back, those funds back into training development, which I get excited about. Um, really quick, if you could tell me about, I forgot to ask you this earlier and I want you to say, during and right now, as people are going back to work in, in different work settings, office settings, a big focus is going to be on disinfecting the work zone, disinfecting the areas. Talk about that program that, that the corporate source has done so far. You know, during, uh, during 
COVID, one of the largest things that we've had to do, we've increased our staff during the COVID period because of disinfecting and sanitizing. So we have trained our staff. We have purchased electromagnetic uh, sprayers. Um, and we disinfect uh, on one time, we disinfect quarterly, weekly, whatever people want. Now, when you see people wiping things down, it wipes down a surface. With an electrostatic sprayer, it charges a surface and the disinfectant goes around. When you touch a handle, that handle is generally round. Who gets to the bottom of it? Also, it covers all surfaces automatically. We put the investment in purchasing this to ensure that the product that we provide is state of the art and that our guys are doing the best job possible. And when we leave, you'll know and your staff will feel safe and protected. So if you have an office space, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, as I like to say, children of all ages, because I sort of think of myself as like the, uh, you know, the, the MC, the guy in the three ring circus. You know, with the top hat. So that's why I like to use that quote. But if you have a building, if you have an office space and your employees are concerned about, gosh, can I come back to work? I'm, I'm a little nervous. Reach out to the corporate source, reach out to Michael, reach out to Linda Berman, uh, get something going, get a relationship going with them. This has been another weekly. Thank you, Michael, so much for being here, by the way. I, I truly appreciate you, truly appreciate your organization and your friendship. And thanks for being on the show. Right. And Tommy, you asked earlier, we are friends. Yeah. Yes. I got another friend. Thank you. I, I kind of, I, I, I figured I'd trick you into that one. Thanks so much for being my friend. Um, so welcome to be, welcome to you all coming to the show today. And I look forward to seeing you back here next week. It is philanthropy and focus. Stay tuned on the network. Stay tuned on talkradio.nyc for Steve Fry, always Friday coming up right after me at 11 AM Eastern time, Jeremiah Fox right after that. And Joseph McElroy following up and finishing our, uh, our big block here on Friday. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, the Instagram is tommyd.nyc. Uh, I say it kind of cutely. That means New York City. I say it to break my kids' chops because they say everybody knows it means New York City, Dad. So tommyd.nyc and get me an email, tommyd at philanthropyandfocus.com. The picture's not behind me today, but it's P-H-O-C-U-S for a lot of reasons, but that's where you get me. Michael, have an incredible weekend. Thanks for being here. Everybody, I'll see you soon. Make it a great day. Bye. Thank you. Take care. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you listeners looking to boost your business. Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York 
the weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 